Blog Talk Radio. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the Fantasy Football Mastermind Ed. The definitive fantasy football information show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Mazurak, has more than two decades of fantasy football experience, comprehensive fantasy football information, strategy, and trading advice. Fantasy picks to click and flick, the latest NFL news, and much, much more. Each week during the fantasy football season on Blog Talk Radio. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazarak. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is September 14th. We are through one week of the 2021 NFL season. Fantasy football is well underway. We're all excited about it, and I'm right here to share all the good information with you guys. My name is Michael Nazarek, and I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found online at ffmastermind.com. And with me, once again, uh, my very good friend, very experienced fantasy writer and player, Chris Rio. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Very well, sir. Very well. For some reason, the gods hate Tuesday night because it's the third straight Tuesday night during the podcast. It's storming and raining here. It's just it's unbelievable. But other than that, everything is Storming and raining. Okay. <laughs> well, we got a lot of good, juicy news and stuff to get to. Uh, the, the injury list is just short, people. So, uh, in other words, if you want to get through all the injuries and such, we have that all over on our site, ffmastermind.com, for premium subscribers. But we got a very, very important uh, injury information that we're going to go through here at the top of the show, the big injury of the week and uh, how that plays out for fantasy football. The first one, of course, we'll start with the quarterback position in Washington. We had one quarterback go down uh, a few minutes into the second uh, quarter. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the Washington Bridge quarterback to whoever, uh, he, uh, he, he took a, a, a tough hit to his uh, back, lower back area and uh, a hip sublimation, and he's out on IR out six to eight weeks because it'll be Taylor Heineke. Uh, it's going to be replacing him. So, Chris, uh, if you've got Brian Fitzpatrick on your team, uh, obviously you can't start him. But what does this mean, uh, fantasy impact, for the rest of the guys on Washington? And uh, it, does this really hurt Washington's chances to win games and, and produce for their fantasy owners? I, I think it really does. I know Tyler, Taylor Heineke had that nice start statistically in the playoffs, losing to Tampa last year. But let's not get carried away. I mean, it really – he, the rest of his starts have not been have not been good. Um, this is a team that I really thought was on the way up because they had the quarterback leadership. I, I have some concerns now. Um, I definitely have some concerns. Obviously, they're missing Curtis Samuel as well. I, I think there's going to be more stacked boxes for for Antonio Gibson. I thought it would mean a little a lot more dump offs because they'd be bringing some more pressure on on an inexperienced quarterback. But I didn't really see that with McKissick last week, so I, I really don't know what to make of this. It's pretty interesting, actually. There was obviously the, the obvious rumor was Cam Newton might go there to reunite with Ron Rivera. They said they're not interested. And uh, RG3 was, like, openly campaigning to be signed by him, and they're not interested in him either. So they're going with Taylor Heineke, but I, I have my concerns because this is going to be a team that was already going to just needing, needing the defense to carry them. And, geez, I don't know if it can carry them without, uh, without a lot of uh, a threat of a passing game in the modern NFL, quite honestly. 
Yeah, if you're if you're uh, carrying uh, uh, Terry McLaurin on your team, and obviously you you start him every week and all, but this got to really downgrade his value uh, for a fantasy's perspective, doesn't? Isn't that isn't that the case? I I would think so. It, it certainly doesn't help. Um, if anything, it's going to hurt. I think it's going to probably hurt. Like you said, he's an every week starter anyway. I think the per, the, the peripheral guys, the next guys, um, you know, Logan Thomas obviously still caught a touchdown. Um, I wonder about his his long-term potential of the, of the whole passing game. I think Curtis Samuel, when he gets back in the lineup, you know, he's not going to be uh, as, as as well targeted by a guy who doesn't throw a deep ball as well as Ryan Fitzpatrick does. And, again, sack boxes for the running game. So it, it's going to be a challenge. Uh, I, I'm downgrading everyone slightly, um, not so much McLaurin, but everyone else uh, a couple of ticks, yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on over to San Francisco, uh, well, here we go. Raheem Mostert had never carried more than 137 times in any one season, and he was not going to do that this year because on the fourth play of the game, down he went with a knee injury. Uh, he elected to have season-ending uh, surgery on that knee, so he's out for the season. In comes Elijah Mitchell because Trace Sermon, the other rookie, was surprisingly inactive. Jamichael Hasty pitched in with two touches on the game. One of them was a three-yard run, but, but uh, Elijah Mitchell ran for 100, 100 yards and, and a score. Uh, fantasy impact uh, thoughts, uh, Chris. Uh, you run out and pick up Elijah Mitchell. Is he going to stay at stick as a starter? Is Trey Sermon going to be active and play? What's your take that's going on in San Francisco with the running game? Well, well yeah, he's definitely got to go and pick up Elijah Mitchell. But don't get rid of Trey Sermon either. I mean, when you think about it, Sermon was a little bit behind. Uh, he's a rookie, obviously, so is Mitchell. He's a little bit behind, so he was basically the third or fourth running back. Hasty is a good special teams contributor, so they activated him, not Sermon, which is why when Mostert went down, they didn't have Sermon to pop in to split the load with, with Mitchell. Now that Sermon's going to be active all the time, there's a very real possibility that, that Mitchell's not going to be the bell cow like he was without anyone to compete with him. So I, I am a little cautious that it may not be the case, especially with Shanahan, the way he rotates people and throws guys in and out. Um, the long-term potential, also don't forget, Jeff Wilson is going to be coming back in about six weeks, and he led the team in rushing and rushing touchdowns last year. So I don't think it's out of the question unless Mitchell absolutely blows up or Trey Sermon absolutely blows up that Jeff Wilson comes back and makes this a multi-headed RBBC again. So he's absolutely worth the pickup. He's the top guy in the free agent wire more than likely. But I do have a little bit of a naggy feeling in the back of my head that the, the Shanahan system is going to – make him not quite as big of a stud as, say, Mike Davis was last year stepping in for, for Christian McCaffrey. One last uh, question I've got for you regarding this situation. A lot of people want to know how much fab money should they spend on, on Mitchell if, uh, if they're in a, uh, in a league and say you've got Gus Edwards and you're, you're, you really need a uh, running back here. Should you spend half of your money, three-quarters of your money, or almost all your money? Uh, what, what, what kind of guidance can you give them? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think, like, it, you really hinted at it. kind of depends on what you have. If you're doing it because you want to stack your bench or you want to play defensive, spend that much money. But if you want him, you're going to have to spend that much money. Somebody's going to spend three-fourths of their money on Elijah Mitchell this week. So if you really want him, that's what it will take to get him. Um, I'm a little concerned about that, but I probably wouldn't do it, again, unless I'm in a position where maybe I had – J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards kind of be, being ready to take my second spot, or maybe the guy that slid in for my third spot was James Robinson and he's struggling, or, or maybe I need someone to step in because Saquon Barkley as well. If you've got, if you really have got to have a running back, 
you're going to have to spend three-fourths of your money probably to get him this week. Yep, I agree with that. Okay, uh, oh, there was another surprise inactive for the game, uh, Zach Moss, uh, the running back, uh, second-year running back in Buffalo. He was inactive, and Matt Breida uh, was active and, and saw uh, four carries there alongside uh, Devin Singletary. But uh, to start the game, they went five wide receivers, and uh, Isaiah McKenzie, the wide receiver, was uh, – uh, playing around in the back rail there. So what do you do with Moss, and what the heck is going on with Buffalo in the running game? Yeah, that's a very good question. That that was a bigger surprise to me than all these other things, like Sermon being inactive and all that kind of stuff. The, the Zach Moss inactivation really caught me off guard. Um, I know they were high on Breida, but, you know, you know Breida the cheetah, like everyone else, he's almost, you know, he's, he's uh, Raheem Mustard 2.0 because he can't stay healthy either, but he's explosive when he is, so... I think Greta fits their offense better, but Zach Moss gives them something they don't have, and that's a hammer uh, if he could stay on the field. So, yeah, I have no idea what to do there. i got to believe Buffalo is not going to keep throwing it 50 times a game like they did last week, although they did play three and four wides more than any other team in the league last year as far as the number of snaps. So I wouldn't say it's impossible that they basically, you know, just, you know, circular file the running game but and go straight passing, go almost a run and shoot. But I, your guess is as good as mine what to go next. I wouldn't cut Zach Moss unless you have shallow rosters because um, I think there could be some use for him still. But I wouldn't go out and, and rush out to pick up him or Matt Brider right now. There you go. That's my, That was going to be my next question. Hold on to Moss and, uh, I guess, cross your fingers if you own him and pray and see that uh, he plays. But you can't, you can't start him until he plays and produces. Uh, another big injury, Jerry Judy uh, having a good game against the Giants. Uh, tackled, uh, turned his ankle, high ankle sprain. He's out four to six weeks, uh, put on IR. Fantasy impact there, Tim Patrick, K.J. Hamler. What's, uh, what's going to happen with the, uh, the passing game of the, the Broncos, uh, Chris? And what about the tight ends or uh, Fanton? Uh, the other guy, I can't even say his last name. Uh, what's Al- your take? Albert O. We'll just call him Albert, Albert o, o. Yes. <laughs> it's safer that way. Uh, honestly, you know, as much as I think I love Jerry Judy, I think he's, he is the best receiver on that team, I don't think they're going to miss him that much because he, as good as he is, that is one of the deeper wide receiver groups in the NFL right now. Um, and they can plop right into the starting lineup or even splitting time and, and, and look. Uh, a big guy in Tim Patrick for red zone looks, and a great slot guy in K.J. Hamler, slot speed guy. I think they're going to be able to have more than enough adequate weapons. Uh, I think Noah Fant's going to elevate. I think he might have already been the number one target guy last week, but he's, I think he's going to stay up there now. So Fant in PPRs moves up. I think Hamler in PPRs is the guy you want to look for. And in non-PPRs or scoring heavy leagues, I think Tim Patrick's the guy you want to look for. But I don't think it really has a huge overall impact on where you would rate Teddy Bridgewater or the other receiving options uh, that much because they're just very good and very deep and they'll spread it around. Okay. Uh, well, back to San Francisco before we get for a short injury list here. This, Brandon Iwike. Oh, my gosh. A lot of people hyped him this year. You know, well, we were expecting a pretty good season, 1,000 yards last year. Uh, wow. Uh, inactive. Well, actually, he wasn't inactive, but he did not start. He didn't get a target in the game. Uh, Trent Sherfield uh, got three targets, caught two balls, including a score. 19 targets, I believe, or so to – I mean, it was it was crazy amount of targets to Debo Samuel. Even Kittle owners are kind of upset about that a little bit. But what do you do with Iwike now? Is, it, was, this, was this a learning moment? Was this uh, – is he a backup now? What's, what's your take? What's going on there in San Francisco's passing game? 
I, I think you hit the exact words I was going to use. This is a teaching moment, a learning moment here. He was sending a message. Um, I can't remember the exact words, but in the post game, uh, they said he was he had not earned the right to, to be on the field, and it wasn't because of how wow. he was playing. I think it was because of how he was practicing, uh, or maybe even some off field stuff. I think he was sending a message. I think this is the time, quite honestly, you buy low on Brandon Ayuk. Um, you definitely hold him, stick him on your bench. You, you really can't afford to start him yet. But you absolutely, I don't think, give up on him because this is a guy that, like you said, has too much talent, too much productivity, and he's going to be back. He's, he's got to learn this lesson. And, I mean, unless he gets cut or, or, or you know, suspended for, for, for his behavior or anything like that, I think this is a guy that you just hold on to or try to go out and buy low right now. You remember, always buy low and sell high. Guys that have had rough week ones, you know, James Robinson and Aaron Rodgers, uh, Brandon Ayuk, who got benched. These are guys you want to think about seeing if you can low ball and go stick them on your bench because inevitably they're going to come back. Yeah, Ayuk is uh, too, too talented to be sitting too long on that bench, and we'll see what happens. Anyway, let's get to the rest of the key injuries of the, of the week. Uh, running back Antonio Gibson has a shoulder injury, but he practiced. He was limited on Monday, practiced fully today on Tuesday. He's expected to play Thursday against the Giants when they take on the G-men there. Uh, OBJ was kind of a surprise, inactive there, because they, they deemed that he's not quite 100% off that, coming off that torn ACL. So his status is uncertain. It's going to depend on how he practices this week, but it's going to be sooner rather and later when he gets back on the field there for Cleveland. Uh, in Detroit, Tyra Williams got knocked in the head, uh, passed a concussion test, came back in the game, uh, finished it up. But then, of course, when he woke up on Monday, he got a headache, and now they've uh, put him in the concussion protocol. So his status is uncertain as we enter the week of uh, practice play here. And, of course, Evan Ingram, uh, back to the tight ends there with the calf for the Giants. He sat on Tuesday as after sitting on Monday. Um, head coach Joe Judge said that there's a chance that he'll play on Thursday, although it's not looking good right now if he practices practices on Wednesday, then he may play. If he sits tomorrow, uh, you know, then, then he's not going to play, and you've got to sit and wait for that. Anyway, we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with the assistance of the premier fantasy football information source, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com, there's plenty of good free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. President and CEO Michael Nazarek has 20 years experience and just completed his fourth consecutive year as SI's expert league Super Bowl champ. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy content updated daily, which will give you the edge you need to legitimately claim Redrafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go now to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, we also urge everyone, uh, please, to check out our website, ffmastermind.com. And we still got a lot of free stuff on there during the season. Our uh, famous uh, NFL Quick Bets page, all the news from around the league uh, is posted there. Of course, all our, all our injury bits, and we're still posting injury bits uh, just like we did in the preseason. They're just behind uh, something called a paywall. You know, it's how we make our living here at the site. Uh, we keep everybody in the know there, and we send, uh, of course, emails to our uh, premium subscribers as a key injury strike and such. But you can also check out uh, our, our site for our free eye in the sky scanning reports from our scouts, including those that cover the Colts from Chris Rito here. And of course, 
our weekly in-season fantasy newsletter is what we do uh, to make a living here. Uh, $37.95 for the rest of the season, all 18 weeks there. And please follow me on Twitter at FFMastermind. Let's get to this week's picks to click and flick off your uh, starting lineup. Give me a couple of quarterbacks you like this week and why, Chris. Uh, I'm going to start with Jalen Hurts. Um, a, a part of me wants to say that his week one outburst was due solely to a substandard Falcons pass defense. But even if it was, he faces a San Francisco secondary this week that was just lit up by Jared Goff and a less-than-pedestrian wide receiver core and that has lost Jason Verrett for the season. So that's, that's going to be a big blow for that pass defense. He's got a solid ground contribution, obviously, to keep his floor high. And he might actually get a little bit more of that with some good pressure from the 49ers front seven, letting him escape and get some running yardage. He's got some great matchups for the whole first half of the season, and he may become a perma-click for a while for me, as much as I poo-pooed him in the preseason. And then I like Joe Burrow this week. Uh, The Chicago secondary was questionable already, and they surely showed it on Sunday Night Football as the Rams tore them up. Now, they're not as skilled as the Rams guys, uh, but the Bengals wide receivers are faster and quicker than them. So this could be another day that the Bears' back line really struggles in the deep game. Uh, I, I also see the Bears being better than average against the run, and I think they're going to focus on taking away Joe Mixon. So I, look, I think there's going to be a high volume and a highly efficient day for Joe Burrow this week. Okay, a couple of quarterbacks I like this week. Uh, Justin Herbert, uh, now he didn't exactly have a big fantasy game, but he got the job done uh, over against Washington last week. Well, this week he gets a much uh, easier defense to deal with. That's the Cowboys defense, so Tom Brady just lit him up. Uh, I think Joe, uh, Justin Herbert's going to do pretty much the same, uh, at least a couple of touchdowns in this game. So if you got him, uh, stick him in your lineup. Don't worry about it, and uh, he's going to produce for you. And then we come to Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Yes, uh, <laughs> the big disappointment down in the Big Easy, actually down in Jacksonville. Uh, they, they have a history of going on long road trips and, and disappointing and, and just playing terrible football. But when they come home, uh, despite the fact that maybe Chris might have some sets about Aaron Rodgers, against Detroit at home. I think that this is going to be a big bounce back game. The, the Packers have to have this game. They're going to be well prepared. They're going to take this very seriously. I think they maybe took it a little bit lightly going down there and playing the Saints. Uh, the, no, no Drew Brees. Uh, you know, the, maybe the defense is not as good. Well, they, they, they learned their lesson there. They're taking everything serious. So I think he's going to have a big rebound game. So if you've got Aaron Rodgers, stick him in your lineup. Don't worry about it. A couple of guys I'm uh, concerned about this week, too. Tagaloa for uh, Miami. The Bills, uh, you know, good defense. They limited big Ben last week. I think they're going to limit Tua and what he can do this week. Probably another 200-yard game and one score. I'm not sure if he's going to run one in. If he doesn't, then there you go. That's the reason why you flick him off your starting lineup. Also, Carson Wentz for Indianapolis. Uh, they get to play the Rams, and their defense is pretty darn good with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald and such. So I would not take a chance on, on Carson Wentz this week. So you sit him. Give me a couple of quarterbacks, and I think I know what one of them's name is. <laughs> Who you're not crazy about? And explain to the people why, Chris. Um, I meant that I'm not crazy about these two guys, but they're both guys I want to temper your expectations on. They're guys you're probably going to start anyway. I'm going to start with Matt Stafford. Um, I know this sounds crazy, especially after he looked so good on Sunday night football and the, and the Colts secondary looked so bad on deep throws versus Seattle last week. But one of the major problems last week for Indy was being physically outmatched. They just weren't fast enough. And the Rams are more of technicians at wide receiver. Uh, so they run good routes. 
They were also, the Colts were also missing their top defender, Xavier Rhodes, back there. And the front seven played very poorly for what I usually expect. I think both of these are going to change this week. Meanwhile, the big plays are really all they gave up. So I don't think Stafford's going to hurt you. I just don't think he has the upside this week many are expecting. And he just misses cracking my top 12 starters because some other fringe starters have some great matchups. So, again, but you're probably starting him. And then I actually think we have to be a little cautious about Aaron Rodgers again this week. Uh, I know this uh, more sacrilege, right? Aaron Rodgers on the flick list. But let's consider this. A.A. Rod has gone, now gone seven straight games without topping 300 yards going back to last year, averaging a week 220 yards per game. He has also never fared well statistically against Detroit at home in Green Bay, despite the fact the Lions have been terrible his entire career. This kind of talks to the, the value of game script and game planning. Um, they've killed the Lions, but Rodgers hasn't put up stats, and that's all we care about in fantasy. You know, he has only one 300-yard game at home against the Lions since 2010. And he's averaging 215 yards per game and only a total of 16 touchdowns in those 11 years. So when I factor in the rust from the lost offseason and the obvious disinterest he was showing on Sunday, plus the very real possibility that this could be the Aaron Jones show and the defense running all over Detroit, I think he's just a, a caution play again this week for me. Okay. Well, uh, that, a lot of that does make sense. We'll see what happens. Uh, how about running backs? Uh, give me a couple that you like and why. Uh, I like Chris Carson this week again. Uh, one of the classic overreactions that happens after week one, especially, is that fantasy owners forget the concept of regression to the mean. It happens weekly just as much as it does annually when we're setting up our cheat sheets in the draft. The Seahawks threw four touchdown passes on only 23 attempts last week in the game that they dominated on the ground actually more than they did in the air. Um, kind of lost in the Titans' secondary struggles last week was the fact that they allowed 135 rushing yards on 33 carries. I think Carson looked good last week, and he's not going to cede the change of pace duties to Rashad Penny because he's got a little ding again. So I look for another solid game and a ground score for the Hawks this week as Carson gets back in the end zone. Another guy I like is Najee Harris, uh, another guy whose usage shows me that some serious upwards regression toward the mean should take place. Uh, Harris, Harris was in on 100% of the offensive snaps and took 100% of the running back touches and targets for Pittsburgh last week. So even a likely slowdown from this kind of usage bodes well for him to eventually succeed in fantasy. And this week he gets a Raiders run defense that is not stellar, nor is it buoyed by the home crowd like it was last week, as well as one on a short week while traveling after playing an overtime game. I like his chances for a big game here. Okay, a couple of running backs I like this week, and I think you and I both agree on this. Aaron Jones uh, against Detroit's run defense. Whether Aaron Rodgers gets the job done for his fantasy owners, I think Aaron Jones is a lock to have a big game against Detroit here. He's going to be running and catching passes all over that weak defense. Uh, also, Antonio Gibson, I know he's banged up a little bit, but uh, the Giants gave up a long run to Melvin Gordon this past uh, week, and I think Aaron, uh, Antonio Gibson is going to have a solid game, around 100 yards rushing and a score, so stick him in your lineup. If you got him, obviously you will, and you should be happy with the results. Uh, on my flick list this week, uh, running back, uh, James Robinson, I'm just concerned there, the timeshare with uh, Carlos Hyde, the Broncos' stiff run defense, it's a caution play for me. So if you've got a better option, maybe your third running back uh, is really producing well, or maybe somebody like Kareem Hunt uh, is a little bit more certain to get uh, carries, and especially near the goal and catch passes, uh, then I would go ahead and, and, and sit James Robinson for somebody like that. And another running back I'm not, uh, that I am concerned about this week, Mike Davis did not have the best start of the season against the Eagles. And guess what? He gets the Bucks that absolutely shut down Zeke on Thursday night last week. So I think Mike is going to have trouble 
He's going to catch some passes, probably a few more than, than Zeke did, but you're probably looking at somewhere between a five and ten point game, and if you got him as a two, that's not what you want out of your two running back. Anyway, how about uh, you, Chris, uh, a couple of running backs you're not crazy about and why? Um, I'm a little nervous about Josh Jacobs this week. Uh, we all saw him play on Monday night. You saw him limping off the field quite often. I think that toe is still bothering him. But it is hard to imagine a better outcome for fantasy from a guy that was iffy to play on Monday night football. I think the usage here really belies a bigger issue than those, than those final point totals indicate. Yeah, he scored twice, but he only had 10 carries and one catch in a game plan meant to keep Lamar Jackson and Josh Jacobs off the field. The big red flag to me in overtime with first and goal with the one, they did not get him the ball, and he was not even in the game. Drake had far too many snaps and touches for my comfort level to automatically start J.J. against a solid Pittsburgh run defense. He probably will, but temper your expectations, especially if he's still sore after a short week and cross-country travel. And then I'm, I've got Saquon Barkley on my flick list, or flick list again. If you drafted him, you probably looked for an early RB3 just in case, and you might want to start that guy again this week. Yeah, Washington is really good on defense, and yeah, this is a short turnaround for Thursday night football. But Barkley is a permaflick for me until I see him play a hell of a lot more snaps than Devontae Booker. The fact that the G-men were sniffing around Latavius Murray this week makes me wonder if Barkley is going to be on a pitch count for a little bit longer than some people think. Okay, how about uh, wide receiver? A couple of guys you like and why? Uh, I like Allen Robinson to have a bounce back this week. Uh, I mentioned Burrow earlier having high volume. I actually think Andy Dalton might have a high volume day at his revenge match against the poor Cincinnati secondary also, turning this into a little bit of a shootout. Uh, and with the technician that Robinson is, he should have a field day against this uh, pass defense, which doesn't do well against his sort of receiver. A lot of people were disappointed in Robinson last week and the short routes he was running, but I think he's going to have more room to run downfield this week. He's going to rebound with a strong game in all formats. And then a sneaky pick that I really like, and I think he's a good guy to go get off your waiver wire because he might be available, is Jacoby Myers. Uh, he may not look like it if you only look at the final fantasy stats last week, a pedestrian six catch for 44-yard line, but Myers is the definite wide receiver one in New England to me. He played 74 out of 75 snaps and led the team with nine targets. Aguilar just happened to get in the end zone. Uh, Myers is a great bet to be the best wide receiver option for the Pats this week against the Jets secondary that has been famously bad for several years and was just pushed around by Sam Darnold. With, with a couple of Pats running back fumbling last week, too, I also look for Belichick to try some play-action passes in the red zone as well since Mac Jones looked solid and dependable in his first start. Yep. Okay, a couple of wide receivers I like this week. Well, Mike Williams, uh, they said they were going to throw some more for the Chargers. Justin Herbert, he did. He scored last week. Well, guess what? He gets the Cowboys this week. I think Big Mike's going to score again. Big body, uh, he's going to get it done. And uh, speaking of uh, the Cowboys and uh, the fact that they gave up a score to Antonio Brown last week, I think Antonio Brown is going to score against the Falcons again this week. That defense is just pathetic. I think Brown can run right past them and get a catch a big one from Big Tom Brady uh, this week. So if you got him, start him and get him in your lineup. A couple guys I'm concerned about this week: Michael Pittman for the Colts. Of course, uh, Carson Wentz favored uh, Zach Pascal last week. That might just be a one-week fluke and all, but guess what? Rams cornerback Jalen Ramsey's going to be all over Michael Pittman. I don't like that matchup, so I sit Pittman this week and make him make him earn it uh, to get into my starting lineup. And Robbie Anderson, Carolina. Uh, well, the big revenge game last week, three targets, one long catch, 57 yards and a score, so that's production. But, uh, you know, overall, that's not a very good game. And they're playing the Saints this week, and they shut down Aaron Rodgers and company. I'd be very careful about starting Robbie Anderson this week. 
Uh, what about you, Chris? A couple of wide receivers you're not crazy about, and why this week? Uh, I'm not a fan of Cole Beasley this week. He's not a deep, a real deep threat or a real red zone target. Beasley has value in PPRs due to heavy volume out of the slot. And while he was very solid with 13 targets last week, one of the best in the league, I can't assume that the Bills are going to throw the ball 51 times again this week, especially with the strength of the Dolphins' defense being their secondary. I suspect a far lower volume game and a possible lower floor than usual for Beasley this week, rendering him a risky play as a wide receiver three or four. In four games with the Bills, he has only 16 targets and 12 catches for 124 yards total against Miami. So I'd be a little concerned there. And then I don't like Kenny Galladay. I know he was a flick for me last week, and he was okay, not great. But there's a bunch of reasons I don't have high hopes for Kenny G this week. He's got a short week coming off a hamstring strain. That's a recipe for re-injury or limited usage. He was also third in the pecking order last week and likely will be again this week because of the game plan. I think Jones is going to look again for quick hits and dumping off the ball quickly to avoid the pass rush. Uh, Washington's just as good a pass rush as Denver, maybe even better. So since Galladay's not a quick burst player, he's not going to be the recipient of those type of pass plays. Road teams have also not done well on Thursday night football, and Jones has averaged only 174 passing yards in his Thursday night football game. I think this could be a low-scoring affair. Okay, how about a couple of tight ends you like and why? Uh, I like Kyle Pitts to have a rebound this week. Uh, you may remember from the preseason I said Pitts was being vastly overrated in drafts. I still believe that. But that being said, he did lead all Falcons in targets, played three-fourths of the snaps, and ran a route on nearly every passing play. And as expected, he was lined up outside wide or in the slot nearly every time. So he is basically the wide receiver, too, for Atlanta. Lesser athletes in the Cowboys tight end had amongst the most targets and catches at the position last week. So the Falcons should have to pass a ton. I think Pitts is going to finally have good game as a pro. And then a sneaky play is David Njoku. A lot of people were high on Austin Hooper this year, um, but, but it was Njoku that really stepped up last week. The Jaguars lit up the Texans with the tight end position last week, and they have a whole bunch of below average talent at the position. This week the Browns bring their two or three headed tight end in, and they should have a lot of success. I like the way Njoku was used last week. A near 50-50 snap count split with Hooper and way more targets in fantasy production. And if they get OBJ back, the lanes are going to open up even more. This looks like a good chance for Njoku to reannounce his return to fantasy prominence. Okay. A couple of tight ends that I like this week. Dallas Goddard, uh, he scored last week. I think they I, uh, and Hawkinson uh, scored last week on the 49ers. I think uh, Philadelphia is going, uh, Jalen Hurts is going to lean on Goddard this week. I think he's going to score again, so get him in, in your lineup. And Logan Thomas against the Giants. Uh, uh, well, uh, they can't seem to stop the tight end. Noah Fanta had a good game last week, and Albert O scored in that game. So I think uh, Logan Thomas is going to be the one uh, recipient that's going to actually have a favorable matchup in the passing game with Tyler Heineke score again against the Giants, so start him if you need him. A couple of guys I'm uh, avoiding this week, Mike Jacecki, wow, in and out of the game, uh, sharing snaps with the other tight ends. Durham Smythe saw more snaps. Uh, he got, only saw two targets, no catches. Mike, big Mike, until you show up, you're on my bench. Anthony Ferkser, uh yeah, fantasy sleeper? Nope, uh, I think he's still sleeping. So until he does something, Mr. Ferkser, you're on my bench. Okay, uh, uh, Chris, how about a couple of tight ends you're not crazy about and why? Uh, Tyler Higby, like I mentioned for Stafford earlier, I think last week was a bit of an aberration for the Colts defense. The strength of this unit is still likely to shut down the tight end position as they have for several years. Um, if Stafford has success in the air, I think the deeper ball might be available with a young safety play. So I think Higby might be a bit of a forgotten man in the target tree this week. 
And then James O'Shaughnessy. Um, this is the, the prime time to remind people, especially after week one, gentle reminder not to go chasing after last week's points. Yes, he had six catches on eight targets, but the Jags put the ball in the air over 50 times, and he was still only the fourth most targeted guy in his team, barely ahead of a non-pass catcher like James Robinson. The Broncos, on the other hand, only allowed two tight end catches on five targets last week, despite the Giants throwing the ball a ton as well. The Broncos have been allowing amongst the fewest touchdowns to the position over the last two seasons as well, and they should afford low route rates since tight ends often have to stay in and help chip Von Miller and his pals. Okay, uh, it's time for one-hit wonders. Kicker and defense, hit me with them, Chris. A couple of guys that came off the practice squad last week on game day. Uh, Nick Folk for the Patriots. The Jets are always good to allow field goal attempts, and Folk could get extra chances with a rookie quarterback maybe struggling with red zone efficiency. And then Aldrich Rosas, uh, he came off the practice squad to kick for the Saints last week. He's back on the practice squad, but they have no kicker. He'll be back up because Lutz is still out. Winston's gaudy touchdown rate will come back to earth, and New Orleans has always been good for lots of field goals. So I like those two guys off the waiver wire. And then in defense, I actually kind of like the Giants going into Washington this week. Taylor Heineke still has more interceptions and sacks in his career than touchdowns in a short week to get ready for, for a, a, his first start of the year against a decent defense. And then I like Cleveland hosting the Texans. Um, Cleveland might be available because no one drafted them to start last week against the Chiefs, and Houston is vastly overmatched. So go get Cleveland off your waiver wire if they're out there. I like that choice of Cleveland. Got him on one of my teams in the FFPC main event. Anyway, we want to remind everyone of premium weekly in-season newsletter purchase. Also gets you free access to our premium subscriber forum, where there are nearly 4,000 subscribers registered waiting to voice their opinions. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, uh, for joining us. For Chris Rito, this is Mike Nazarek. We'll see you all next week when we preview week three of the 2021 NFL season from a fantasy viewpoint. Good night, everybody. Football is back. Yay! Yay! You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazarek, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time on Blog Talk Radio. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second.